G'day Sports by Fry fam, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast, back for another Sunday sit down with JLo. plenty of fantasy stuff on the schedule for this podcast, we dive in, talk about some of the most popular owned AFL fantasy players at the moment, and then if some of them are in our teams or not, dive into a little bit of NBA fantasy as well, we tease that last week, talk about some dudes who you might want to sell high on, or ones that you could buy low based on uh, underperforming so far this season. We did touch on a couple of other teams that we didn't talk about in the last podcast. 76 has been balling lately, especially with Joel Embiid looking like an MVP candidate. So we talked about them, the Portland Blazers, a couple of other teams near the 500 mark that didn't get a lot of love, and then chances are you'll be listening to this on Monday, and you'll know that the two teams playing in the Super Bowl has already been decided. But we talked a little bit about some Super Bowl picks and tease that towards the end. But without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. I am a man of my word. After sitting down last Wednesday, we are back now on a Sunday. I reckon Sunday's a pretty good time for us to regularly sit down after uh, a week of sporting action. We'll be able to cover AFL, etc. Clearly, I'm not here solo, I'm sitting alongside J-Lo. How are you doing on Sunday evening? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Excited to be back. Two in one week. It's always a treat. I know. So, just keep this, keep this energy rolling. Balls mate. rolling in yeah. 2021. It is the year of sportsby. Um, most people that listen to... Yeah. Last year was uh, COVID. the COVID year. This is the sportsby year. Yeah. Most people listening to this do listen to it purely for uh, fantasy purposes. We are going to be talking about not only AFL fantasy... But some NBA fantasy today as well. I think we'll kick off the episode with the fantasy talk and then dive into a little bit of NBA later on. But I want to start with the AFL because I don't know about you, but I've uh, done also some more tinkering to my team since we last spoke. And yeah, shake your head because I know that uh, we've still got, hang on, 52 days, 21 hours and 31 minutes until uh, lockout. But I haven't been able to resist. Have you made any uh, changes or looked at your team again since the last episode? Oh, I did actually, didn't I? Um, now I think about it. To be honest, can't remember who it was. I think it was sort of switching out like a Rory Sloan, who I was looking at for a sort of a, a value play. And I brought in like Josh Kelly or something like that, just because he's probably my favourite player to watch. And I think there's sort of that some level of you've got to bring in your favourite players at some point. Yeah, like, I can back that in. Yeah, it's like much you, more fun cheering on dudes who you love watching play for. Well, you're going to need a Nat Fire for a Brace or a, or a Sarong or something. And I, I've obviously got me Dom Sheed locked in, <laughs> lock him in. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get Josh Kelly in there too. But not much tinkering, and I'm not going to. Well, just part of the reason I, uh, I dived in to make some tinkering was because two of my players, the first forward I picked and the first midfielder I picked, are apparently now in doubt. For round one. And they're two pretty popular blokes. So today what I want to do is whiz through probably the top like 20 to 25 guys just purely based on ownership. A lot of coaches obviously will hit auto-fill and fill their bench spots with some really cheap rookies. So I'll kind of skim over them. But I want to talk about the other relevant cats. Um, Most owned player in the competition right now is Matty Rowell at 51%. Is he in your team? He's in my team, I think What's What's his price? He is sitting... He's pretty cheap, isn't he? Well, he's priced at 88, which you oh, think shit. about... He had his zero when he busted his shoulder as yeah, well right. against Geelong. So, 574 grand he sets you back, but he's probably going to go... Well, actually, not probably. He'll go 100 
like pretty safely, I reckon. You do, reckon? Do you reckon he can push the one ten barrier, or is that just asking for a little oh, bit too much? I reckon you're asking for elite AFL fantasy production from. Let's be honest, a bloke another who's really rookie, a essentially, rookie. yeah, because he played what three games or something like that, or four. So uh, I think that's a bit much to ask. You could you could ask for a hundred. I'm going to temper expectations on Matty Rao, given that he is a rookie. Yeah, um, you know we've had we've been sort of spoiled with rookies in the last two seasons. Like you had Sarong last year do really well, and Sammy Walsh and like Charlie Constable did really well. That's two right. Years yeah, ago. had that little period was, for like seven games yeah. where he was dropping 80s and 90s. So there was a few few guys we've been spoiled by. I'm going to temper expectations on Rao. And hope that he gives us that 110. But, uh, yeah, don't know. Not so sure. And the Suns are a, a bit of an unknown entity. Yeah, well. I don't know what to expect out of them. Closer to the start of footy season, we'll talk some actual footy and dive into them. Another team that I think will make a rise this year. But, again, there's a little bit unknown are the Blues. Mm. Zach Williams is the second most owned player, most owned defender. And I think they've said they're going to play him in the midfield. He's priced at 82. I don't think that all these dudes in the top 10 ownership or whatever are locks, but I reckon Matty Rowell and Zach Williams have to be in your fantasy side. Yeah, right. He's not Matt, uh, Zach Williams isn't sitting in mine at the moment. Um, that's because I don't put as much effort 50 days yeah, out yeah, into yeah. it as you do. Um, but with that said, I, I, I like this what they're saying. Again, I worry a little bit about that Blues midfield. It's pretty full, you know, like... You've got two absolute bona fide stars. You've got Mark... You obviously know who I'm talking about. Matt yeah. Cripps and um, Sammy Walsh. Walsh. You've got Mark Murphy. You've got blokes just running through there. And some weird young guys like Dow and like Fisher. So That Brody Kemp bloke, another 170k mid, who I think actually just hurt his ankle. Nothing too serious. Yeah. But they, from memory, traded up to get him again in the draft. Right. So they probably want to get games into him. Yeah, we heard the exact same thing last year from Ken Hinckley on Dan Houston. So I'm just gonna, yeah, okay. I'm just gonna hold it off a bit. Like if he, if he goes, cra- I'll probably end up with him. But if he goes crazy in the first weeks, that's when I might look to get him in rather than starting with him because you could start with a. I'd rather start with Lloyd or Laird or something. Like yeah, that. only six hundred and twenty grand for Zachy Williams. He's again priced around eighty two. I reckon he'll go ninety odd. But be interesting. They got Saad into that back line as True. well. Yeah. Doherty had his issues like up and down last year, even Still though he started good. to look a bit normal. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, yep, pure midfielder, let's go Zachy Williams. But then, like you said, as they kind of alter their mix, or mm-hmm. the, you know, if one of them gets hurt, they might throw him back there. Especially so, knowing, no certainty. knowing the Blues, they'll probably lose the first five and then just go into panic mode. Yeah. And, yeah so. Sorry, Carlton fans. But, Sorry, uh, guys, yeah. hope, I hope not. I hope it goes well for Carlton for once. But uh, mm, Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm nothing, Carlton. I don't hate them, don't love them. I'm just, uh, they're just one of the teams in the club. That's all right. I'm West Coast, so I'm all good. Uh, team that I don't think will be all good, the GWS Giants. They've got Braden Pruce coming in to kind of fill their ruck shoes. He's the third. Them, I am a little bit, yeah. Again, a conversation for another day. But he's going to be, all signs are pointing to him being their lead ruckman. He's sitting in 38% of teams at the moment. And I think the majority of fantasy coaches, I would say, I'd be pretty confident in saying 80% have just gone Grundy and Braden Proust. We talked a little bit last week about how you can chase some value with some of the rucks. And Prucey's not in your team at the moment. He's not. That's because I'm going to probably go like two okay guys, like Marshall yeah. and saying that. I don't know. Actually, I actually haven't thought it through that much in the ruck spots. But ruck's that one spot. If you're not Grundy or Gorn, it's a bit... You're just rolling the dice. And I think if I'm going to roll the dice, I'd rather not be with 
big old Prusies, never shown anything fantasy-wise. So. 60 is his average from three games. So if he's getting regular games, I think, and that's a 60, you know, adjusted after Corona as well. Right. So he probably only averaged in the high 40s or whatever. Mm. But um, I think that Pruce-Grundy combination, like most people will probably just set and forget that. Yeah, but I'm in a similar boat. I, I don't think... I'll tweak too much, but I wouldn't be surprised if I like made some changes and didn't include Prusy. Grundy's going to start the year for me. He's sure. the sixth most owned player, and he's a couple of runs down. Price at 113 after last year. Had 122, I think, the year before that. Mm. So there was a lot of talk about how he didn't love hub life and... That's what kind of hurt his fantasy scores a little bit of this and that. So he's a bit of a like an alternate guy. I must he admit. is. So yeah, could, that could that sort of rings true. Like you could see that being actually a fact that affected him. Yeah, yeah. I think you can't pay up for Maxi Gone. He's a little bit too dear. Um, Brody Grundy is then probably the bona fide number two. Riley O'Brien, he's the third guy. But I feel the most confident in out of those three dudes picking Grundy and getting not only a little bit of value for money but also like a top. Two or maybe the best ruckman in the comp. Going into last year, he was the number one fantasy player. Yeah. Let's be honest. So you, you can't you can't go wrong with it. In fact, you know, as I'm sort of thinking it through more, I'm sort of warming to the idea of starting with Grundy. So we'll see how that goes. I guess. Will Gould is the uh, fourth most owned bloke. I won't spend too long talking about him. He's a uh, 170k Swan rookie, but pumped him up heaps. I talked about him, on, I think, on the Fantasy Friday couple of days ago, but I pumped him up heaps last year, thought he was going to be big, and then he didn't get an AFL game. Oh, did he? Not? No, I thought he played one or something. No, I, don't, I can't remember what the go was with the like second-tier comp over East, given COVID and all mm. the situations. So I don't know if he played much footy at all last year, Gee, but yeah. he is like a pretty big-bodied dude. Played for league Sandful the year before he got drafted, so I reckon he'll slot into Sydney's back line and be a bit of a factor. If... You don't have him in your team, and he gets named round one. Surely, just add him on your bench. Easy. Will Phillips, the uh, fifth bloke, he is the most popular rookie, and I think at the moment, well, technically second to Gould, but I think he's the bloke that's sitting on everyone's field, and they're kind of expecting him to be this year's Walshy, Rao, Sarong. Maybe not the same level of production as those guys, but the best of the bunch. Um, here's some numbers for you. He averaged seventy-seven from his ten NAB League games in twenty nineteen. Priced at 266, he was the third overall pick. So you've got to pay up for some of these rookies. But I think it's wise to pay up for the top-tier draftees. You usually get a bit of job security, pretty good scoring capacity, and that's why they're probably the best rookies of the bunch. But just on that note, do you reckon it's worth paying up for those rookies, even if some of them are like sitting in your second or last midfield spot, maybe even on your bench, or do you rather like just go, oh, I don't care who you are if you're playing... I'm going to have you on my team at 170k and I'll use the extra 50 to 100 grand somewhere else. Well, you know me, mate. I've got a finance degree, so I'm always looking for value. So I reckon round one, if you can, have all 30, or how many blokes are in your full fantasy 30, side? Yeah, 30, 30 just Have cool. all 30 playing. Yeah. So if I reckon pay up for guys, even if you think there's value, like a Robertson last year, I know he's 170 this year. Pay up for the Robertson if you think there's value there at 300k even. Like yeah. I almost look at those low guys or the sort of 300, 350, 400 sort of price guys as rookies as well. So I'm I'm even willing to pay up for those guys. I so think I've definitely got, pay up big for the the top draftees. I'm following a similar pattern this year. I'll probably have like one 
dude who I feel safe is making my skipper in each line mm. and then it's all value like of the guys in that price bracket around like the 400 300k mark I reckon I've probably got six or seven dudes again who knows how much my team will change yeah. in 50 days but yeah I'm fairly confident that um, that's the way to go and paying up for the rookies is the right move big time Lockie Whitfield is uh, seventh cab off the rank didn't start the year with him last year and that paid dividends because he had a couple of 60s from memory in a row or I don't know if they were equated 60s, whatever. But then start of uh, around five or six, he just straps a little bit and really found his feet. And then again, was a ro- bit of a roller coaster with Lockie Whitfield. Has some dud games, has some good games, but I'm not currently starting with him. He's defender only this year as well, which is a factor, I reckon. Um, and the bloke one spot below him in ownership is Jake Lloyd. He is in my fantasy side. Will probably sit in that first defensive slot. I feel fairly confident in picking him. You had to pick one, Gundy ahead. You going Whitfield or Lloydy? Uh, you look, you just pick Lloydy for the security and the consistency. Whitfield pops out of 190 every yeah. now and then, that sort of stuff. I reckon, given the sort of turbulence going on at GWS at the moment, I actually don't mind picking Whitfield because you feel like he's one of the few blokes who's just guaranteed to get plenty of snaps in the guts. He's going to run up back plenty, kick the ball in, and he just finds so much space. So picking Whitfield's not a bad idea, but of the two, I'd definitely go Lloydy, particularly because of the kick-in factor. Yeah. Lloydy seems to get a lot of his like mark and kicks and those like just bo- racks up his touches all in like the back half. You're right, though. Whitfield does plays a, not the same role, but a similar-ish one, but he does it. All over the joint. Yeah, like, there's quite often the link up, dude. Break lines. Like he might find more space than any player in the league. Yeah, him or Andrew Good Gaff. Yep. Him or Gaff are probably the two get the most space. So you you do expect to get some marks and plenty of kicks from him. So he is one of those guys you might grab him because he's such a high boom chance. Yeah. Although you got to take that bust downside. It's a risky one. He's priced at 107. Lloyd is priced at 114. So mm. there is a bit of a price difference mm. there. I mean, I'm just checking it now. Eight seventy. For Lloydie, and then Whitfield clocks in 50 grand cheaper at 8.20. So, yeah. you know, how, how often have you been 50 grand short of getting the perfect trade you wanted or something like that? You know, that value, that money could provide value uh, across the board. Yeah. Two dudes sitting at 26% ownership, and these were the two that I was alluding to earlier. Tommy Mitchell and Paddy Dangerfield. So Tommy Mitchell is now apparently in doubt for round one after hurting his ankle from memory, regardless of what the actual injury is. He's on light duties, and he did have shoulder surgery in the off-season as well. So I know that he's a bit banged up. Dangerfield's still dealing with a groin injury and is apparently going to get another doctor's opinion this week. Hasn't touched the training track in pre-season. So he was a mid-forward and a bloke that I was pretty keen on. Only averaged 101 last year. This is Batty Dangerfield. And Tommy Mitchell was at 107. But everyone thought that Mitchell was just going to go back to his huge 120s, myself included, but now that they're both in doubt, in doubt for round one, even if they're named, are you fully confident in picking these blokes? Mitchell, yes. Dangerfield, no. I worry about Dangerfield because he's such a power athlete mm. his whole career. So much speed. And if he's dealing with groin issues and things around that, I, that's not good, especially given the fact he hasn't touched the training track. Tom Mitchell, different type of player. doesn't rely on speed or athleticism at all. And it, it's an ankle. You know, he's come back from a bloody leg doing yeah. an ankle... 
He came back from a leg in like 14 days too, so or some crazy... That, yeah, there was a photos of him ridiculous. training a preseason. Everyone's like, hang on a second. Yeah, so like... I reckon Mitchell's, if there's one one bloke I sort of trust, it's him. Um, I wasn't that on him last year. I yeah, sort okay. of, I still think I picked him because he was high, high, super high value, but um, I reckon this might be the year. If you're going to take a punt on sort of that Mitchell or someone, yeah. make it Mitchell because I reckon he... He might just go big, particularly yeah, given the fact that he's always going to get forty touches in that sort of Hawks midfield. It is his uh, runners yeah. for the record. It is his shoulder that's hampering him at the moment. So, and it says, seems like he's a bit banged up and he's restricted, but he has still done some stuff this preseason. Whereas Danger, they're saying that this injury might be linked back to something he dealt with in the grand final. Mm. So, I did the massive write up for Dangerfield for the Dream Team boys, and I thought. Quite a bit about like what he does, obviously playing versatile roles and things like that. But he's played a shitload of games as well. Like mm. I think, can't remember off the top of my head, but he's missed like five games in six years wow. or something stupid. Like he's been pretty elite consistency wise. So you know, two hundred and sixty odd games under his belt. He's in his early thirties now. Wouldn't surprise me if he did start to succumb a little bit more to Just those like. injuries. Just yeah, like. yeah, right. very similar. Mm. Um, not <laughs> Judd like is Luke Valenti. He's the uh, next bloke in 25% of teams. I don't understand, being a Freo fan, why people think Luke Valenti is going to be a superstar. Granted, when they drafted him, I was expecting big things, but he's been on the list for three years now and hasn't yet made his debut. So I'm not keen on uh, Luke Valenti, so I'm going to skip straight to the next bloke who I think is a big factor this year. Why do 25% of people have it? Again, has someone said something? No, he's 170k, so it's probably just like, let's put him and... um, that Riley Collier Dawkins bloke from weird Richmond. Names. Weird names, you reckon? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, speaking of weird names, again, the next bloke, Jamara Hagen. I talked a little bit about paying up for rookies. This year's number one pick comes in a little bit of a different boat because obviously he's a key forward. Traditionally, big dudes don't score as well fantasy-wise, but I think that the Bulldogs are just going to be so good coming out of the midfield given their plethora of fucking talented dudes so there's no way that Hugel Hagen will Good be starved too. of opportunities and he's shown that he can like you know push around the ground a bit I'm a little bit hesitant but if he's going to be playing a ton of games and he's going to be getting like silver spoon fed service from the midfield I reckon you've got to pick him is he in your squad? he's in my squad no problems picking him uh, I think you sh- you'd be crazy not to start with him because like I'm that's sure... the way I'm leaning there's a lot of people that have their doubts but I'm like surely you just pick him he's going to play a ton uh, you did the write up didn't you? yeah and I, I'm pretty sure I was thinking the exact same thing he's just going to be like one of the king boys he's just going to sit there all year not too much to worry about and then get him out late in the year as one of your last rookies on the field just because he's going to Pop up up maybe only a hundred k or whatever you know. I get a bit confused at the start of every season because the bloody prices change. Yeah, especially with like Corona, it's a bit all over the shop friggin at the moment. In, eh? Friggin' inflation, fantasy inflation. But I reckon um, Jamara's definitely a starter, and he's he's going to be probably better than Kingy. Yeah, I, I would expect to. So yeah, I feel. I mean, you have to pay up a bit more for him, like I said, but whatever. He illustrated before why you want to have dudes like almost all 30 of your first like round one team playing. So he's a guy that will be playing the entire year. So all right, let's skim through a couple of other blokes because there's some relative names here, but I don't want to uh, spend a whole hour going on this fantasy talk. Rory Laird, uh, yes or no? Nah, not to start. Great player, but he's got midfield status this year. Defender he? mid, priced at 100. 
it's interesting, especially it with is. Brad Crouch out. Yeah. There's like a little bit of a window, but I don't know if it's going to go more to Laird, Brody Smith, or like another one of these young cats step up. Sloan was out a lot last year as well. Was, yeah. Jackson so. Hately is another pretty popular owned dude that's come across from the Giants. He was priced at 70, and everyone's expecting him to kind of almost slot into that Brad Crouch hole in the midfield too. But I wouldn't be surprised if Hately was a little bit, not of a boil over, that's not yeah. the right word, but didn't go much further than 80, 85. Um, so yeah, Laird's a tricky one. I don't it's know. It's true. I think he's a weight. He's a hold there. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, Tommy Phillips. Surprised me he wasn't more popular owned. I reckon everyone I've spoken to about fantasy has him just locked into their second forward spot. Because you talk to to quality fantasy players. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe it's actually just you and me having the answer. Yeah. Speaking of quality players, Buddy Franklin is still in a lot of teams, 23% ownership. His body does concern me, but considering he's only priced at, as I look it up and talk, $377, uh, $377,000, that yeah. sounds more accurate. I think it's a risk you can almost afford to take. It does depend on how you kind of structure your forward line, I guess, but if he's named round one, his break-even, I'll find for you as we go. But where do you think you're sitting on the buddy train? Is it too risky? 300 games, 35 years old, 944 career goals. It's sad, I don't know that off the top of my head. Yeah, and a break-even of 50. Is it worth the gamble? I re- like I was saying around... The- oh, I forget who we were talking about. But paying up for those three sort of 400k guys, if you think they're going to be locked in as a team and provide some value... It's worth the risk, particularly because you can just chop them out. And you're like, oh, actually, if, I, if you count him as a rookie and then you tra- trade back to a 170K, you come up with 200, 200K all of a sudden. Yeah, true. So it's not necessarily a huge loss. I, I'm just worried that he misses, he plays round one and misses round two and three. And then you're kind of like, ah. Uh, Can't go up a lot from yeah, where so he's priced. I'm, I'm probably going to be a, like a one or two week hold on Buddy, um, which is risky in of itself because he might play the first four and then get injured. But mm. I, I, I think he's more of a wait and see, Buddy. He's tricky. I know you've, you had him in your team. What are you thinking? I, again, after making some tweaks, I think I took him out. Oh, but okay. it'll depend a little bit on what forward rookies get named. Like, Hugo mm. Hagen will be in mine. If Archie Perkins from the Bombers gets named and Braden Campbell from the Swans are two top 10 picks from this year's draft, I'll probably have both of them as well. Mm. But I might do a bit of shuffling, put one of them in my midfield and put Buddy in my forward line because they're both mid-forward dudes. Because sure. I love having that link, even though... Gotta have it. I think it's super important. But yeah, I think Buddy is worth the dice roll, but there's a lot of red flags. So I'll be watching him closely over the preseason. All right, I reckon that's enough. There's a couple of other rookies on the board, and then we dive into some guys like Lockie Neal and Tim Taranto, but let's tangent to some NBA fantasy talk. Uh, Currently, the Special K boys in our fantasy league, that's my team, is flying. Mm. Very happy with how they're looking. The uh, Bathurst Blue Flames, not so much. It's at the point now where we've had... What, four weeks worth of matchups? Five weeks? Ballpark. Yeah, we've had, what, 13, 14 games each. Yeah, something like that. So I think you can afford to start to look at tweaking your roster via trade. Waiver wire in any form of fantasy is always the important thing, and you can win your league through that. But if you can try and sell some dudes high and buy low on guys who are underperforming, that could uh, really give your NBA team a boost. So I'm going to look... Add a couple of guys in the sell high and buy low category as well. First one I want to talk about is Pascal Siakam. Now, we didn't go through these lists. You got a couple as well mm. ready to go. I didn't uh, go through their lists and compare them before 
But I did mention Pascal Siakam a couple of minutes before we hit record, and you said he's in your buy low category. Big time. Yeah, I think he's been playing... He's been underperforming in a team that's been underperforming. Um, and I reckon you could probably just swing him for someone who's overpriced at the moment yep. and sort of see his production rise. I think Nick Nurse is too good of a coach to let the, the Raptors hover around this mark. I expect some of those weird East teams to drop off a bit. Um, and I reckon Pascal's sort of going to drive the, the Toronto re- resurgence, I guess. So I reckon you could sort of look to buy him low. I know you're thinking he's probably, on the flip side, he's like a super big name or an all-star name that you could probably get a heap of value for. But I actually reckon you might be able to trade him for someone who's outside of that all-star caliber guy yeah. for an all-star. So yeah, that's okay. sort of the way I'm looking I at it. I think you said it last week, as well, oh, a couple of days ago when we did the pod, that he's probably the perfect number two, but I do have questions over his ability to lead a team, regardless of if they're going to win lots of games or not. That probably won't dictate his fantasy yeah. output, but he's been a little bit all over the shop. He had a triple-double like half a dozen games or so ago, but then he had a 9-4-2 and two against Charlotte earlier in the week. So I think the route that you'd want to go down is, like you said, sell Pascal. And if you don't have a lot of depth in your team, maybe you could get like a two-for-one, snap up a couple of dudes that you like the looks of. And I think the big reason you want to get rid of Pascal now is because Chris Boucher is making a serious push for the sixth man of the year candidate. Good time to tangent to the useless sports by Fry stats. Sponsored by JLo. This is a... Uh, Sponsored by Chris Marlowe, actually. Yeah, okay. Denver Nuggets uh, commentator. Shout out Chris Marlowe. Uh, Chris Boucher, this astounded me, is sixth at the moment in PER. So I think there's no way that they're not going to try and find more minutes for him. Granted, they waived... I think it was Alex Len, not Aaron Baines. Yeah, they waived Alex Len, so there's going to be some minutes. You can always play Aaron Baines less and give Boucher more minutes, but I think as the year goes on, he's only going to keep growing and developing. Probably won't get a lot of offensive touches, but he'll definitely chew up some boards and those other stats that would probably stop Pascal from being like a top 15, 20 fantasy player. All right, hit me with your next sell-high bloke. Who's someone you've said maybe you want to buy a little bit low on Pascal? Who's someone that you think we should uh, sell high on? The way I've tried to try to do this is sort of tell you a sell and who you should buy for. Oh, go on, man. Sort yeah. of paired them up. So I reckon I've just watched back-to-back uh, Phoenix Suns games because they played Denver two days in a row. And I'm right off Devin Booker. First of all, because I'm pretty sure he's fully healthy and he missed the second game of the back-to-back, which is concerning for a bloke who's 24 years old and has consistently been a bit of a diva. So, yeah, I'm not a big book affair. I did actually, I had his name, it's literally italicsed here in Bilo. And then I was like, actually, I don't think I want to get Devin Booker, eh? Yeah, I, I just think he's, he's, he's a weird cat and he's just, he doesn't, I don't like the way he operates. So I just think that leads to a bloke who sort of, sort of falls off. Just like Kyle Anthony Towns is weirdly just slowly just petering away and not becoming the guy that you thought he was going to be. I also think it's a weird mix with um, with Chris Paul. Um, and I, there's another bloke who I'll talk about later who I think you should buy, sort of who's a mid-range guy who's yep. going to start to really chew up Devin Booker's touches and minutes because I think he's actually going to be the better of the two. So I would be selling Devin Booker. Um, although, that said, Chris Paul's going to be getting him heaps of good looks, so his efficiency is going to stay okay. But I'd be selling Devin Booker and trying. It might be a little bit too late because he had a breakout game a few games ago, a few days ago. Yeah. 
But if you can get your hands on De'Aaron Fox, I reckon I would be selling the house um, to try and buy him. Probably a little bit lower than what he's, I still think, going to end up being. Because it's you look at the Buddy Heald, you've got Rashawn Holmes. There's no one there who's going to really chew into De'Aaron Fox's sort of stardom. Um, and I reckon he's really rising, particularly because his efficiency is sort of slowly ticking up because he's yeah. taking good shots. Yeah, he had a really inconsistent start, but a lot of that was attributed to his shooting numbers. Yeah. You're right, though. So he played the Clippers where he had 14 points and three dimes, but then blew up in the next game against the Pels, had his career-high 43 with 13 dimes and four steals. Mm. And since then, he's gone 25 and 22 points with seven assists in both of the last two games as well. So you're right. You might have like just missed that window because he's had, what, nearly 80 to 90 points yeah. in the last three games. But I think he's... on. This is all ESPN, but he's only ranked as the 14th best point guard at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, if you're making those trades and those tweaks, it's got that number next to their name. You know, a dude trading him, be like, oh, he's only the 14th best point guard. Especially if you can wait until that 43 and 13 falls out of the last, you know, they show the, the instant last box seven score. games. Yeah. yeah, if you can wait till that goes and he has maybe one more bad game, I reckon you're on there. Because I think, I reckon, I built uh, Luke Walton and the Sacto Kings, I reckon they're just going to surprise a bit. They've got good depth and they've got good shooters, which I think is just going to help De'Aaron Fox. That'll be an interesting team to watch for sure I'm, I'm actually a, uh, a fan of the Kings I don't have any of them in me uh, sell high or buy low but one of the big blokes that I think you should be selling high on is Draymond Green came back to the can lot. you sell high on him well maybe not that's what I'm saying he, it's a big name got, a, got that name factor yeah. yep. and if you can try and I didn't go down a similar route and kind of tie them up with two dudes that you could um, like trade for at the moment Green is only shooting 30% for the season mm. so he does have that big name, and he has the ability, the rare ability, to contribute across the board yeah. in stats. But for the season, at the moment, 4.6 points, 4.4 rebounds, 6.8 assists. But steal and a half and nearly a block a game. If he starts to go on a bit of a surge, and even if he boosts his shooting to like somewhere in the low 40s, I reckon pounce on like a trade, getting rid of Draymond Green. Because he does have that big name, everyone's like, oh... He's a guy that's like super versatile and this, that, and the other. But everyone's been saying it for years. He relies a lot on his athleticism. And as he kind of loses that, he's never been a great shooter. I can only see his numbers going to get worse and going to the toilet. So yeah, selling high might not be the right call. Yeah. But one of the dudes who I did actually technically have him buy low that might not sound like a fair swap, but I think you could try and trade him straight up for Seth Curry. He's been out because he got covid and obviously the Sixers have just gone a little bit all over the shop um, with regards to who they've been playing. He returned in the last two games and oh, had did. 15 and 14. What did he shoot? Um, I'll get it up for you. Because he's been shooting like a historic clip. Yeah, like he's 54% been... 54% from three or something. So if he maintains that, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Seth Curry, I, I was never really a big fan of, but... You sort of look at I've his. I've always liked Seth. Curry. You look at his like shooting numbers, and you're like, oh, actually, probably better shooter than your brother and dad. You know, so yeah, I, I don't mind that. Um, he's gone three for eight from three in the last two games, but he's shot twelve from twenty-one across the field. So you know, still field goal wise, putting up some numbers doesn't contribute a ton in other categories though, unless you just want threes 
and points, but also uh, percentages. That that's a big help. That is handy. Know? Depends yeah. again, I guess, what scoring league you're in, etc. But yeah, Seth Curry, someone who I definitely have my eyes on. All right, hit me with your uh, next. Have you got one more buy slash trade scenario? Oh, I got plenty, mate. I've Go got. On, uh, if I was uh, the owner of Eric Bledsoe, I would be doing everything I can, particularly because he had a good game today. I'd be doing everything I could to get rid of him because. You've got Nikolai Alexander-Walker. You've got Josh Hart. You've got JJ Redick. Lonzo Ball's just checked back in. He's in my buy like category. Lonzo Ball, is yep. he? All right. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. Um, I'd be getting rid of Eric Bledsoe just because he's over the fence a bit. Doesn't shoot a particularly good clip. Mm-hmm. He does a bit of everything. Not a great three-point shooter either. Like, we'll get you a couple, but yeah. like, given how much everyone's taking threes, he doesn't yep. make as many as you'd want out of a dude that highly rated. Big time. You've got Zion emerging. Brandon Ingram's a star, so I'd be selling him and if, if I could I'd be trading for Devin Booker's teammate Mikhail Bridges because I've just got to watch him two games in a row he had a bad game today but I tell you what like he's he's deadly and he's just consistent yeah, oh mate I, and I love he's a villain over product isn't he yeah, so yeah. you know anyone who comes from a good system like that is a champion I think of the of the Phoenix Suns guys other than DeAndre Ayton I think he's going to be the one and I, I know you sort of agree with me um, he just is a defender. He gets some steals. He'll get a block. He's the sort of bloke you're like, oh, he had five blocks today. Who knew? Yeah. Because he's bouncy. He's long. Complements he's... what the Suns are building really nicely. And he's always out there. And the one thing I will say is I'm not a huge Chris Paul fan because he's not a huge winner. But I tell you what, he gets those those shooters such good open looks. Like Cam Johnson was just dominating Denver today. He had like 11 assists in the first quarter and like a chunk of those are going straight to Mikhail Bridges. So if I was uh, if I was a Eric Bledsoe owner, I'd be trying to get Mikhail Bridges and potentially another guy in that sort of range. You know, doesn't have a big name, probably drafted in the hundreds or something like that or, yep. you know, later rounds. So if you can grab two of those blokes, I'd definitely be getting onto the Mikhail Bridges train. I... Uh... I can actually probably tie these two together as another, like, buy this guy by selling this dude. Having Marcus Smart on your fantasy team helps in a lot of categories, you know, as a uh, owner yourself. Mm. And now that Kemba Walker's back, there's been a couple of people who are like, hmm, it's going to hurt Smart's production. But Peyton Pritchard, the rookie that they drafted, just hurt his knee, so he's out until February. I can't remember the exact date, but for at least a couple of weeks. And Kemba, we talked a little bit when we teased the Celtics um, on the last pod, I'm really worried about Kemba's body. And I don't know if, obviously, the Celtics will want to be trying to gun for the chip this year. If he does have any other issues or other niggles and things like that, he's probably just going to get put on ice so that they've got him healthy for when it matters. And Marcus Smart is a super durable dude that, regardless of what Kemba's doing, he's going to be playing the same number of minutes. I think if Kemba's out there, obviously it hurts him a bit more from an offensive standpoint, but you can probably afford to cut your losses with that, because he still hits you a couple of threes. He's a great on-ball and off-ball defender, so he's going to get you those defensive numbers and putting up solid clips as well. So I reckon you can afford to buy low on Marcus Smart. And I'm not super sold on this sell high, but I can't see this bloke getting any better, and his numbers are pretty astronomical at the moment. So I can't blame you, especially if you could get Smart and something else back in return, if you want to flick out Julius Randle. Wow. Averaging 22, 11, and 6 at the moment. In line to be an all-star. This is clip. Um, I did just have it, and now I've closed it, and now it's gone, and I'm finding it. But uh, as I find it... I can't I, believe that you'd want to trade Julius Randle. That's... 
Forty-seven percent is shooting from the field. Thirty-three from three. Eighty percent from the line. But as a big man, as a big good. man, yeah, it is pretty good. But I honestly, he's been playing a shitload of minutes. Tom Thibodeau. I think the Knicks, and this will probably be tangent into the next thing we'll talk about. But I think the Knicks are going to come... Everyone loved what the Knicks were doing. They'd won three in a row before they lost to Sacto today or yesterday, whatever it was. Big, like, Julius Randle's just been chewing up minutes and all the stats. Obi Topman's been injured for a lot of the season, but he's back now. I can probably... I can't see a scenario where he would start over Randle, but he'll eat into his production a little bit. And I, I don't know. I, there's something about it that just... I can't see him averaging six assists for the rest of the season... He could probably put up something similar to what he did in his last season before he got hurt with the Knicks. Um, his numbers were a little bit worse. He had just under 20 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 assists. That's probably what I expect him to regress back to a bit. Again, he has been balling to start the year, so that's why I think if you can, and you can get something really worthwhile in return, cash in on the Julius Randle chip. i tell you what, I'm a big Julius Randle fan. Like I've had it. I told you to draft him in 2018, and then he, I traded him to you. That's right, and he killed it. Like yeah, I, maybe I actually, that's just why I want to. Tra- I'm still just a little bit dark, but I think yeah. Again, I don't think he can maintain these numbers. Again, I could be wrong. It's happened once or twice before. You've got to be careful because it's Tom Thibodeau. You've got to remember how um, Joakim Noah operated within his offense, and you're sort of seeing it like Alfred Payton is it a great assisting point guard. He's not a throwing any assists this year, mm. and I would know because I've got him on a bloody fantasy team. The bloke they're running their offense through is Julius Randle. I actually, I don't know if I agree with you on that one. I would almost try and buy Julius Randle still. I yeah, really okay. rate him. But see, it's good that we sort of disagree on one, I guess. All right, you got one more up your sleeve? Uh, yeah, go on. Hit us with one more. I've sort of tried to go good, really good players with the Dev Booker, sort of middle of the range with Bridges, and now sort of, this is kind of at the lower end. Yeah. I'd be doing as much as I can at the moment, particularly with the Jimmy Butler sort of weird injury, covid situation, trying to get Kendrick Nunn, who's just come back from an injury, had a good game a few days ago. He's a second-year player. Second-year player? Or is he third-year now? Second, yeah. yeah. Second-year player. I think he's only got room to grow. He's solid. He's a hard worker. He's that bloke who's kind of worked his way into a good system. Eric Spolscher has got no problems playing kids who are sort of hard workers and have that sort of um, that heart, that blue blue collar sort of yeah. that attitude. So I'd be trying to get Kendrick Nunn and it's sort of a case of you can probably be selling quite a few guys. Kyle Anderson just got injured so if you can sort somehow manage to swing a trade for Kendrick Nunn and someone else you might be sort of finding a bit of value or I'm sort of thinking that if you've picked up a Cole Anthony or a Tyrese Maxey um, in the last few weeks, maybe just swing them. Particularly Cole Anthony, he's just hit that big buzzer beat. Everyone's yeah, talking a trendy about name. him. Um, I'd try try and get rid of him, or even Terrence Ross. I think he's sort of capped out. And I know that Magic is sort of dealing with some ba- uh, backcourt rotation problems with faults out, so mm. he's going to get big minutes, but he's just not putting up anything other than points and threes. Yeah. And Terrence Ross is that sort of bloke. He always has those hot starts and then fizzles out. So. I'd be trying to get Kendrick Nunn for one of those guys in that sort of uh, area because I really like Nunn. And I like what um, Bam Adebayo and Eric Spolstra are doing down in South Beach. So. Behind uh, Shake Milton, Kendrick Nunn is the second most popular ad 
on waiver wires at the moment. He's now still in ESPN leagues, owned in under forty percent of leagues. So you might actually be able to go out and pounce on him. There you go. You're on wel- the waiver you wire. are welcome. If you're doing uh, fantasy, make sure you go and do that right now. Good but um, anyone got him in our league? Actually, yeah, Palmer has. I just checked. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're right. Since he's returned to the court, he's actually been pretty good for the Heat. He scored eighteen. 28, 22, and 18 in his last four outings. I have not even seen that. Yeah. So, yeah. Jesus, there you go. Um, playing a shitload of minutes in the high to low 30s. So, yeah, I definitely subscribe to the Kendrick Nunn uh, hype train. All right, let's talk a little bit about some teams. This episode now... Oh, no, we've still got time for sleep. I want to dive into a couple of teams that we didn't touch on last time when we did our podcast. We tried to do a bit of sco- uh, scope around the whole NBA, but... We didn't talk a lot about the 76ers, and they now, at 12 and 5, 12 and 5? 12 and 5, have the second best record behind the Lakers in the league. Three straight Ws. Joel Embiid's looking like probably the MVP at the moment. We said, agreed that LeBron was probably in that box seat when we last did our pod, but you said that you weren't too high on the 76ers. Pretty sure I said. Don't even worry about talking to them. Yeah, last, yeah, we did. I um, I picked them to make the finals last year. Mm. Uh, that didn't come to fruition. Jesus, yeah. And we we were talking as well a bit about how Doc Rivers stereotypically doesn't get it done in the playoffs. Got a ring with Boston to his credit, but he did have like three of the league's top fifteen players when that happened. Right. So, give me a. You don't have to talk for long, I promise. But give me your uh, little feelings about the 76ers. Do you reckon? A, they're worthy of this top seed in the East and they can maintain that run? Or do you think, regardless of where they're finishing, it doesn't matter, they're going to just fizzle out in the postseason? I, you know what? It's just the Ben Simmons factor. And it's, he's such an enigma. He's, he's going to dictate how well they go. Joel Embiid's been a beast for years. We sort of talked a little bit last night when we were out on the beers uh, with our mate Palmer, who happens to have Embiid in his fantasy side sort of talking about Embiid's efficiency. It's jumped up about 7 or 8%, um, his shooting efficiency. And we were wondering whether he could keep that up. You were sort of saying you expected to revert to the norm, yeah. in which case the Sixers are finished. They're, they're not even... A, there's no question about it. There's not even worth talking about him. I actually think he might be able to keep that sort of 55% up. Given that, I reckon they probably do push for a top two seed in the East. Well, they'll probably hold on to the number one seed the way the season's going. But well, also, Indiana's now the two seed as oh, well. Mate, for the don't get me started on Indiana. Yeah, um, but, yeah but I think uh, if he can hold that and sort of doesn't really matter what's going to happen around him, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, they're going to do their thing. The question is, how does that go in the fi- in the playoffs? And it does Ben Simmons, like, can systems shut Ben Simmons down? Which I think they will be able to. That's why I'm not so high on them come playoff time. But I reckon for all the crap I gave them five days ago, I honestly think they might be able to hold on to the number one seed. But I can't see them getting over a Brooklyn Nets team with those I'm in the same boat. I reckon they're going to win a round, maybe two, qualify for the East Finals, but that's probably their ceiling. Because I agree with everything you said about Ben Simmons. And I think... Well, Embiid's had 42 and 10, 38 and 11, 33 and 14 in his last three games after missing a couple. So he's just been a fantasy monster and might honestly push for the MVP for the whole year if the Sixers keep winning. But I just can't get behind them with the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid fit. And I reckon years from now, we'll look back and be like, wow, the James Harden trade was a really missed opportunity for the Sixers. 
because I think they should have just gone gangbusters, grabbed him, Harden and Embiid would have just been a lethal combo, and at least then you've got like another a different what's the word. A different way to go about it because it's clearly not working. They're winning a shitload of games at the moment, but I can't see it mattering in the postseason. The one thing I will say is they've got great shooters around those guys. They do, and, yeah. And I did happen to catch... What a good score, like spark plug scorers. Big time, Sorry. big time. And I did happen to catch them at one of their games. I haven't, Like we were saying in the lead up to the pod, we haven't watched enough of them to have a, probably a really good idea, but I did check out some of Embiid and, off, uh, Embiid and Ben Simmons' offense together yep. and they actually run a really interesting sort of low post pick and roll yeah. which I think might give a lot of teams a, a bit of trouble a bit of trouble um, partic- like I'm thinking as a Denver fan that would really stretch Denver um, so it, I could see other teams like even the Bucks sort of sort of struggling to contain that given that Ben Sims is like 6'11 can jump out of the building that's the one thing they might have in their favour that they're sort of a, quite a unique offence in their own little way so it's, uh, I don't think, I'm not buying fully, but Embiid's the man, you know, at the moment, so. We weren't super keen on the Sixers in the East, and we definitely weren't keen on the Portland Trailblazers out West. So much so that I don't think we mentioned their name at all on the last podcast, but. I think just forget they even exist in the league, honestly. They're sitting at eight and six right now, with CJ McCollum in a moon boot, and Yusuf Nurkic banged up as well, not playing, so. Before the season started, a lot of people were keen on Portland's ability to, you know, stay right at the top and the upper echelon of the West. But at eight and six, even though they've managed to kind of stay afloat at the moment with their injuries, I can't see them mattering this year. Now, I am a little bit hypocritical here because I did say that I think continuity is going to matter for those mm. teams, and Portland is one of those teams that seems really tight knit. Most of all the players fucking love Terry Stotts. Yeah. They are a really like well drilled unit, but I reckon that their destiny is almost like parallel with the Sixers. Maybe they'll win a round or two in the West, but they're not knocking off the Clippers or the Lakers. I would pick the Nuggets over them, and even dudes like the Suns and the Mavs, who we'll talk about in a bit, I would still back them in over Portland. Big time. That they've. It's funny. They've got Lillard, who's a perennial all-star, uh, sorry, MB, MVP threat, mm. but out, you just don't think he can carry it. And they've they've always that team with like weird bench players who you've kind of never heard of, and you're like, oh yeah, he's pretty good. Mo Harkless is okay. Like He sort of does his thing. I know he doesn't play for them anymore, but yeah. that sort of guy. Derek Jones Jr., Robert Whatever, Covington. You know. It's almost like the same dude. Al Farouk Aminu, exactly. just like swap yeah. out the name. Um, so and they've just lost the continuity with CJ and Nurkic going. Mm. So uh, I agree. I, they're sitting there. They'll probably just sneak under the radar because teams maybe don't take them seriously. But them losing their home court, or oh, they're obviously on their home court, but they're losing the crowd. Yeah, that that's advantage. always a massive factor in the Rose Garden. So I think uh, I'm not Motor Center now. I think it is. Yeah, whatever. It's always yeah. the Rose Garden in my tomato home. tomato. All right. Before we wrap up, I want to talk about. A couple of teams in the East and a couple of teams of the West that are hovering almost bang on 500 because there's some very interesting teams in this mix. So let's start out East. Currently, your sixth seed belongs to the Cleveland Cavaliers at 8-7 and seven on riding a monstrous three-game winning streak, including uh, two straight dubs over Brooklyn. Atlanta's sitting with the same record and a three-game winning streak as well. And the New York Knicks are the eighth seed at 8-9, and nine, so... All those teams are one game above or below 500. It's a bit tricky to see all three of them holding on to a playoff spot. I talked about, I teased it slightly before about why I think the Knicks are just going to go down. Mm. But 
I don't know. I mean, the playoff or the play-in game wrinkle does add a factor this no. year. At the moment, just reeling off some of the teams that aren't in the playoffs out east, you got the Magic, the Raptors, the Heat. The Wizards obviously have had their issues this year. I can't see Detroit uh, no. making a lot of noise, but if you had to pick one of those teams, the Cavs, Hawks, and Knicks, to confidently get to the sixth seed where they don't have to be in the play-in game, Oof. out of that trio, who are you siding with? I would probably have to go with the Hawks just because they've got the best player. Yeah. Okay. Um, and whether or not you're sold on Trey Young, his efficiency is a bit all over the place, and I still think he's... He's, a, also, he's an all-star starter. Had four, yeah, year? had yeah. 40 points in three quarters the other day as well. Yeah, he's he is about the wettest bloke in the league, I reckon. Um, and I love the way he runs an offense. You add Capella, he's come back. He's sort of doing some interesting stuff. I, I quite like what they've got going on. They've got that deep bench. It's a bit banged up at the moment. Yeah. But I expect that to sort of rejuvenate come middle of the year. They'd be the one who I'd pick. Although, God, I'm not confident on or any of those. Nah, the East still, just historically, just a shit show of teams. I wouldn't be surprised if the Magic made a bit of a run and jumped up there. True that. Never know what you're going to get out of Miami. I don't know if I mentioned them as well, but I also picked the Hawks. I'll be honest, though, part of me, a little bit of a bias part of me, wants to pick the Cavs, but... The Allen trade makes that. The Allen Torin Prince. Torin Prince, yeah. Yeah, he's, um, he's the one I think actually might be the biggest to get for you. Yeah, okay. Um, just because he's sort of... Sh- Bit of defence, bit of shooting around that small forward position that Jetty Osman does not always give you. So. Yeah, no, he loves a flat three, yeah. as I've said to you before. And sometimes it goes, I think he had like 27 in one of those Brooklyn games, or maybe it was a game before that. Mm. But yeah, I was watching them and every shot he took, I was like, oh, that's that's hitting front iron <laughs> and just coming straight back like a missile. But more often uh, they go in. So yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the Cavs were, Cavs were in the mix to even be in that play, play-in game, like ninth or 10th, I expect them to finish in that mark. But I think the Hawks will either hover or go up. Cavs maybe stay around the same, and the Knicks will slide. Unequivocally. Yeah. In the West, similar situation. Your Denver Nuggets are now two games above 500, yeah. so they don't fall into this category. But the Memphis Grizzlies, Phoenix Suns, and Dallas Mavericks at your moment are 6, 7, and 8, with the Warriors and the Spurs tied with Dallas for the same record. So... Let me paint you that picture. There's three spots, five teams. All right, I'll go through them again. We need to pick three out of the Grizz, Suns, Mavs, Warriors, and Spurs. Uh, I will take the Mavs. I'll take the Suns. I've had a look at them in the last two games. I don't love them, but I think they're good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah. And who are the other teams? Warriors, Spurs, I'll take the Warriors. Take yeah. the Warriors. Steph Curry's probably arguably still the best player on the planet. Um, Ooh. Arguably, yeah, I reckon. You, you can know. make the case for him. But. Especially because of the way he affects the rest of what's going on. You always know, at about three-quarter court, you know where Steph Curry yeah, is. Yeah, true. Actually, at all times, you know where Steph Curry is. Probably both sides of the ball, weirdly. So I reckon uh, I'll take them. I like kind of what Wiseman's start. I like Wiseman full stop. He's sort of starting to find his feet a bit. He's figuring out the system. And like you say, Draymond Green's sort of dropping off, so he might sort of start to feel that. Mm. Um, and I think Kelly Oubre Jr. will probably sort of come back up to... His he side. has a little bit the last like oh, week man. or two. I think like there was that stupid... He was crap today. Yeah, there was that stupid stat that something like the Warriors are 13th in three-point shooting. If Kelly Oubre hadn't taken a shot all year, they'd be fourth yeah. like, based on the way he was putting the ball in the basket, but I think he started to kind of find his mojo a bit. Yeah. Of that five group, though, I agree with you that in 
picking the Suns and the Mavs. I think Dallas is a team. It's a really intriguing team because, with the exception of having poor Zingas a little bit banged up and missing this first like hard as well six um, or seven games. Richardson, yeah, true. He's out. I think he's still out actually with COVID mm, shit. But yeah. regardless, they haven't. I thought that they would kind of be top four, top five team, and they haven't looked like it yet. Again, they've been missing these dudes, and they might find their mojo similar to what you said with Atlanta, who um, have had their own injury woes. Phoenix, I also think, are good enough to hold in that spot. But I'm big on the Memphis Grizzlies. Five yep. games, stra- a five game winning streak. They've had dudes like Xavier Tillman and Desmond Bain. They're like two rookies that well, I think they were picked in like the 30s or whatever. Yeah, head scratches. They're uh, have really like stepped up and filled in a role. And that's with guys like Jar being out. You said Kyle Anderson. Jaron got... Jackson there. Yeah, Jaron Jackson Jr. still hurt. Um, I think Brandon Clark's had some issues in the last couple of days. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. If, granted, injuries aside, there's always like a, a disclaimer. But mm. if they could get a clean bill of health and like Jar, Jaron and Jonas Valanciunas, I think he's had COVID as well. So they've had all sorts of issues to start the year. And they're still above 500 in the West. So... I'm big on the Grizz. I reckon that they can maintain a spot. If I had to pick one of those teams that you named, like we said with the East, to hold on to the sixth spot, eliminate themselves out of the playing game, do you think the Suns, the Mavs, or the Warriors are the safest bet? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I think um, with the star power, you've got to go with the Mavs. Yeah. Okay. Um, although the, the Nuggets commentator said it today, and I couldn't agree more, Luka Doncic takes some... Really funky shots. Questionable, hey? Like, he, yeah, I think he's going to dictate how far they go, obviously. but And I think he's just not quite there. He takes some crazy step backs. He is stuff. what, like 21, 22? Oh, I'm not, yeah, so, not taking nothing away from him. but No, but I agree. I'm like, I, it would be not foolish to expect him to kind of like f- find his shit and go for it. I'm like, oh, he's still got, what, like 15 years yeah. in the NBA left. Like... I remember he there was this big write up. They were saying that he um, thought that the season was going to kick start back in like January or closer towards like Feb. So just kind of, I oh, am yeah, a young kid. I won't worry too much about training and coming ready. So he's been playing himself into shape for the last two weeks. And but it shows big time. You can tell, yeah, absolutely. All right, before we wrap this up, NFL conference championships. Uh, Kick play kick off tonight. So by the time you're listening to this on Monday morning, unless you're burning the midnight oil, uh, we'll know the two teams that are playing in the Super Bowl. So obviously, you probably haven't followed NFL to the same extent I have, but you are the reigning sports by Fry fantasy champion in the NFL category. Back to back? No, no, two and three. Your boy got last one. So yeah, you got two out of three. Um, Yeah, it's very interesting matchups. I think we do get the best four teams in the NFL in each game. So cool. If you had to pick a Super Bowl, so we got Brady and Rogers squaring off, mm. and you got Josh Allen with the Bills and Patty Mahomes with the Chiefs squaring off, which teams would you prefer to see in the Super Bowl? You've got to see the Chiefs. Like they're the best team in football, Super Bowl reigning champions. Yeah. Got the MVP, well reigning MVP won't be. When do they announce? Have they announced that yet? No, still yeah. haven't. Okay. Usually anyway. they've done it by now. Actually, that's weird. Either I know way. that they've started to give... Aaron Rodgers is going to win it, yeah. I think. And he's started to get, like... You know how they have, like, the Riders MVP and, like, this, that. They've started to hand out some of them, sure. but not the league's MVP. Anyway, so I think Mahomes on that side, and I just can't see, like, young Josh Allen and the Bills getting there. Although, that would be bloody great, because the Bills just seem like such a 
cool bloody franchise. Yeah. Say, and their fan base is awesome. It's cool to get behind the Bills Mafia. And near, and we're like near Toronto, so we got a bit of a link to them. So I wouldn't care, but obviously you want Brady to get through and just win another one. Yeah. Come on, like get to see Brady against the future Brady. Um, the best matchup, you're right, would be Bucks versus Chiefs, Brady versus Mahomes. That he, would be and you also get like Hill versus Hopkins and like just some crazy matchups. Evans. So, uh, Evans, sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's Hopkins on the bloody oh, Arizona. Cardinals, That's yeah. right. Sorry, red and red. Yeah. Um, like wicked matchups either side. You get to see um, Hill and like Kelsey playing. So hopefully, the, oh, I guarantee the Chiefs will get through. And then, oh, you guarantee it? Yeah, I'll guarantee that. Nah, I'm totally on the other side of the fence. Paddy Mahomes is a little bit banged up. Had a concussion against the Browns. The Chiefs have like spluttered up to this conference championship. But that's the thing, they've spluttered up to it and they're still just saying we're here, you know? Yeah, I I can see both sides of the argument and I might end up with egg on my face, but I'm all in on the Bills Mafia, yeah. Shit, okay. I think Josh Allen, I mean, I did put money on him to win the MVP, so I'm going to be biased, but I think he's the clear like number two this year in the MVP race. Again, Paddy Mahomes was like 14-1 and one in his 15 games, so mm. take that with a grain of salt. I do want to see Aaron Rodgers make the Super Bowl again. Me too. And they lost, they lost the conference championship to San Fran last year. So this, I hate to say, like would be his last shot, but he's yeah. like 36, 37. So I'm like, oh, stars are aligning for like him to just make a run at it. Made his first Super Bowl 10 years ago. Yeah. Super Bowl is being played in Tampa. No team has ever played in their own stadium for the Super Bowl. Interesting little nugget. So, would be cool to see Brady and the Bucks get in. But personally, first NFL jersey I ever bought was an Aaron Rodgers jersey. As a Panthers fan, that's weird. But I definitely want to see Rodgers versus. Uh, sorry, I'll definitely want to see Brady versus Mahomes. But I think it's going to be flipped. I think we're right. going to get Packers and Bills. Wow. Okay. I don't know enough about the, the team's makeup to really comment on it, other than sort of you know that sort of thing. But. Watch this space. We'll have to uh, have to give our thoughts this time next week. Before we prepare for the Super Bowl, let's get the goat fifty-five. Get the goat another bloody ring. That'd just be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be his. So he has played twenty seasons of NFL. Paddy, uh, sorry, Tom Brady this is his fourteenth conference championship. No other quarterback has more than seven. And it, you know, like it's his first year out, and he just gets back in there. He just like, come on, dude, that would be awesome. Kind of draws a line through the. Oh, was it Brady or was it Belichick? It's like, well, <laughs> Pats don't look great right yeah. now. Tom Brady still looks like Tom fucking Brady. All right, hopefully we get to see Brady versus Mahomes in Super Bowl 55. Uh, make sure you quickly go and make your waiver wire changes and your adjustments to your NBA fantasy team. Uh, thanks once again for uh, joining the party and sitting down. Jayla, till next Sunday, chippy weedy. Chippy Kendrick Nunn. <laughs>